So a kind of fun and crazy story that recently happened to me is that um, I had a client here in the United States and I coached her for a while. And most recently I made a house call to see her and the house call was actually in Italy. So yes, I got on a plane. I flew all the way to Italy to meet with my coaching client who now is actually my business partner. So we have two things going on. I'm her coaching, her coach, and I'm also a business partner with her. Wow. wow. So my name is Lori Morocco, and I'm an honorary insurance dudette. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Boom! Boom. (laughs) That is awesome. You never know what's going to be on the other end of of a crazy request or potentially interesting idea. How did it lead to that? What was going through your mind? Well, um, what was going through my mind is, wow, this is a really big house call. I mean, yeah, I'll meet with people (laughs) for coffee at the local coffee shop down the street, but to get on a plane and fly to Italy to meet with somebody, okay, why not? I mean, (laughs) that's good. Plus, we were working on our our business venture together over there. So it kind of just worked out that we could do both at the same time. But that's the biggest house call I've ever made for a coaching client. And I will go anywhere all over the world for my clients. Yeah. Ah. Have you ever been to Italy prior? Yes, about 15 times. I oh, wow. It. So it wasn't a stretch to make me. Get <laughs> You're like, well, I'll go there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to, to, to Italy. It's amazing. It's on my hit list. Oh, my gosh. It's I love on my it. list. Yeah. yeah. Italy, Spain. I just did Portugal for a month, and that was phenomenal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Spain and Italy are the next next ones, I think. Okay. I'll hook you up. Let me know if you need Ooh, it. I like it. I like it. I'm in California mm. and I just happened to get a business partner that was in Arizona. I wish mine was in Italy, but now he's he's international. So there might yeah, be maybe it, maybe I will be in Italy. Never say never. Do what you gotta do for your clients. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are, and and let's just let's just dive in. Okay. So my background has been in higher education since well, a really, really, really long time ago, 20 plus years. I started uh-huh. um, at a college in Western Pennsylvania, tenured professor, um, chair of the department. Then I moved to Colorado with my family to try it for a year. And most people that try living in the mountains of Breckenridge never really leave. So I was teaching at a college out here. I became a dean of the college and I thought, well, I kind of need my own gig. Like I I need my own side hustle. And so I thought, well, I teach people about business and communication in the classroom, but I would love to take that knowledge and give it to people in the workforce or in the business world. And so I started coaching. Uh, I started coaching women who were starting businesses And then most recently and interestingly enough, my niche has kind of found me. Um, And that is really women in career transition. And they don't have the assertiveness or the confidence to make that change. And so I'm kind of like, you can do this. You can do this. And we kind of go through all the different feelings and how to get to where they want to be. And we network. And so it's been really, really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you navigate that? (laughs) Like. 
I mean, we all go through that feeling mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know where I am. Like, where do I want to be? How do you get that definiteness? Well, I think what I do is I, I build relationships with my clients. So I almost become friends with them and I get really, really invested in their lives as much as they want me to be. And so it's like I'm talking to my friend and I really kind of approach it from that angle. Like, okay, well, what is your skill set and what do you really want to do? And like, if you can do anything. So I encourage big picture thinking and then I really get a feel for what they're passionate about. And then we start talking about, okay, well, if this is where you want to be and this is where you are, what are the things we have to do to get there? And we just make a plan. Um, I become their accountability partner. I check in with them. How's it going? You know, weekly meetings. And so it's kind of just a really fun journey that, that we go through together. And then they realize this is really what I want to do in life and I'm going to do it. And I'm kind of like, yeah, you can do it. So, so <laughs> that's sort of the journey that we take. So transitioning from, because you're no longer in the higher education. I still am. Oh, you still are? It's my, yeah, that's, I mean, my heart really is in higher ed. I yeah. just do both. Okay. How do you see the difference in receptiveness of the information Mm -hmm. The real world versus in the what some call the ivory tower. Yeah. So I think in higher ed, we tend to be more theory based and we're, you know, professing all this great knowledge and that they may or may never use again. Right. But in the real world, I can kind of take that theory that I know and that I've researched, but make it practical. So my my whole thing about teaching, no matter where I'm teaching is praxis or theory informed action. So I can give you the theory, but let me show you how you implement that in real life and how you can make it work for you. And I always say, I'm giving you tools for your tool belt so that you can take these essential skills and use them in real life. So I have a little formula for having an assertive conversation and conflict management. A lot of people don't like conflict, but here's how you can address that in an assertive manner. So I give them really practical tips, which, you know, not so much in higher ed, if you're in a philosophy right. class or something. Is it because you, of like Maslow's hierarchy of need where it's like, yeah, people are just more. Yeah. Self-actualization type. Yeah. Let's make you the best version of yourself. And what does that look like to you? And really it's kind of defined by every woman on her own terms. I mostly work with women. Um, not to say I would never work with a man, but it's just, I feel right. like women really, really need that support system. Mm -hmm. And we become this like sisterhood and girl power and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to, to sort of work in that, in that arena. I love it. That's so cool. I saw you have something in common with Jason. You have four kids. I do. And you're a Dean and you're ready to coaching business. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. With some wow. other things thrown, I have some other hats thrown in there, but yeah. How? I think when you have four kids, you can do anything, right? Like you just can like do a million, you have a million balls in the air. And I think it's just started from, I was having this conversation the other day with my coworker and she's like, how did you, like, how did you do it? Cause she's a young mom and I'm, you know, not a young mom anymore. And uh, I was like, you know, what? I just wanted it all. Like, I, I didn't want to make any sacrifices. I wanted to get my PhD when I had an infant and a two-year-old. And I wanted a big family. So I had, you know, kids during my PhD program, graduated with four, started with two. And I want, I just want everything. I just want it all. And I'm pretty, um, when I put my mind to something, I, I can do it. And I like to be busy. And I like creative outlets. 
So someday I'll slow down, but not for a while. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like when you get to that many kids mm-hmm. and stuff, like it's like, what's what's something else? Like there's so much <laughs> stuff going on. What's something else? Like you just kind of move stuff around and. And then they get older. So mine are in their 20s. So they're adulting. So I'm like, oh, I have all this extra time. I can like start new businesses or, you know, <laughs> you just keep replacing things. Right. Yep. Yeah. The, the, everybody has the same number of hours in the week, right? 168 wow. hours. And mm-hmm. so it's it, it's interesting how one can say, I want it all. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to, I'm going to get a PhD and have kids mm-hmm. at the same time and do all this. And then others could use, oh, I, oh, I, got pregnant or we're having kids and, and now I'm done with, I can't, I can't pursue that anymore. Exactly. And no judgment. I mean, whatever you need to do to be happy and fulfilled in life, do it. I mean, I never judged my friends who, who wanted to be a stay at home mom. That just wasn't for me. I tried it for a year and I was like, no, this is hard. I I need to go to work. So it's whatever works again. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like people will have, would they come up with the reasons to, I don't want to beat them up here, but it's like, it's easy as humans to, when something, an obstacle comes in the way to use it as the excuse to not keep going forward and just lame instead of, oh, well, you know, it probably can be done because it has been done and you've proven that it can be done. So, so I have to say that's, that's kind of a, a frustration for me is when I have these super talented women and they have these goals and I know they can do them and I kind of give them the recipe for it. And they're just like, I'll be like, did you do that one thing? No. I'm like, okay. Like I can't force people to do things. I can give them the the tools, but if they don't want to do it, it's really hard to step back. And yeah. Like probably like a doctor, right? Like you tell your patients <laughs> to eat healthy and don't smoke and don't abuse anything, and they do it anyway. And you're like, well, I, like and they're I, out of Vegas every weekend. <laughs> yeah, like I know what you need to do, but only you can do that. So that's right. hard for me to be like, okay, not my life. This in her time, she'll do it. Right. It's yeah. the action, right? It just requires yeah. the action. And I think a lot of times it's hard to just get the first foot past the obstacle and, and yeah. keep going. Oh, motivation. I mean, yeah. every day you have to do something to stay motivated if you're going to have a business or or work toward a new career goal or whatever that is, an email a day or LinkedIn, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One foot in front of the other every yeah. day. Baby steps. Yeah. 100%. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about an insurance agency. Yeah. Since you have so much uh, knowledge with coaching and, and I mean, essentially that's what we do with our teams. Right. Right. And, and we try to get the best out of them for themselves, but for our agencies as well. Like how do you create a workplace culture of acceptance and all the Mm -hmm. different viewpoints that you might have Mm -hmm. in an agency? Mm Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I have a little bit of knowledge of the insurance industry from a mm. business perspective. And I, what I keep hearing over and over and over again is there's this like power struggle almost between um, people. And so it's, it's like this conflict resolution. What they're looking for, I think, is, is what I've heard actually from the ones that I've dealt with. And so 
you know, I think there's some skills and some tools that people can use if they're in a workplace with people that have different opinions and different objectives and, and different perspectives and biases. And so in a nutshell, to me, what it comes down to is just being civil, kind people with one another. And I, and I lately have been doing a lot of keynotes on civil discourse and what mm. that like in the organization. I mean, we've had a lot of things happen in the past four years. There's more big things happening that can divide people at work. I mean, we went through, you know, a contentious election almost four years ago. We went through a pandemic. We're about to enter another contentious election. And so things like politics and just social media and all these things get in the way of people's perspective and, and their the way they treat other people. And so I think there's some things we can do and say dealing with communication and around communication. And what would those, what, <laughs> what, are, some, what are some things that you, that, that would help? Cause yeah. it's definitely something that's needed. Um, and I think you're right. Like there's been a lot going on and I, it's almost like we've been trained to be more sensitive in a way too. like, yeah. Oh, like, you know, it's almost like things can be taken incorrectly a lot. So now there's like multiple levels of mm -hmm. problems that can arise between staff members and team members. And oh, absolutely. Well, for instance, I like to tell my clients when I'm, you know, coming in and doing consulting or coaching for organizations, we've heard of this idea of a safe space, right? Where, you know, mm -hmm. in higher ed, we'll put these little um, triangle rainbow stickers on our door. And that means safe space, come in, it's safe. Like I'm going to support you. And that's, yes, everybody needs a support system. But what I like to talk about is a brave space. So I'll invite you into my safe space, but also I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm going to ask you things that might be uncomfortable because I want to have a dialogue with you. I want to see your perspective on something. A safe space is very polite and we're, we're just like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But a brave space is like, tell me more about that. Um, I want to know more. I don't agree with that, but I want to know where you're coming from so that we can then find common ground and meet in the middle, put our differences aside and still focus on the task at work, mm. whatever that is. You know, and then we have just knowing our own personal biases and knowing that, OK, I have a bias against this but I can't let that get in the way. You are voting for this person. I'm voting for this person, but how can we put those differences aside and still come together? So again, it's that common ground, being open-minded, um, being tolerant, being respectful, supportive, again, being brave, being a really good listener. Um, a big word comes to my mind that starts with an E. I can think of a lot of E words. And it rhymes with sympathy. Oh, is it <laughs> or empathy? Yeah, <laughs> right. Be empathetic. I guess they rhyme a little bit. <laughs> close enough. I mean, I, not not for the dean's list, but yes. I, I mean, for me, it's close. They enough. rhyme. They rhyme in our world. Yeah, we're in the insurance world. It's like fuzzy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Empathy. Absolutely. You know. And speaking of that, I was having another conversation the other day with somebody. Like, yeah, like this, this server was just really, really rude to me and they're not getting a good tip. And I said, have you ever asked the person, cause I've done this and I've said, you look really frustrated. Are, are you having a bad day? And I was not being a jerk about it. Like I really wanted to know, like, 
what's going on? Cause you, something's off right now with, with you. And um, I'm like, yeah, actually I'll be, this was a complete stranger bartender. It's like, now that you mentioned it, yeah. Like it's been a really bad day and this and this. And I'm like, he walked away and came back and he was a new person. So event. <laughs> yeah. Like being generally interested in people and what's going on in their world. Cause you never know what's yeah. happening that could be causing conflict in other aspects of their life. So what do you think prevents people? Because mm-hmm. that's a rare thing for somebody to do what you, you just said you did, but right? I, I had to be like, brave. I've never done that before. <laughs> Till that one time. That one time. So like, were you, what was your fear? I didn't have, oh, prior to that or yeah, like, saying it at that, that time. Right. You had to overcome some kind of fear to be brave, right? If yeah, I did. I, you know, I think with age comes wisdom and maybe less caring of, I mean, think about, you know, our grandparents who have no filters and <laughs> you're like, wow, granny just goes off and says whatever she wants. <laughs> she I says every that, word that you're not allowed to say anymore. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of that. Like, you know what? I, I just, I'm just going to call you out in a nice mm. way, in a respectful yeah. I I'm going to, so it just took me years and I was not an assertive young woman at all. And you know what clicked? I don't know. I guess it's just experience and wisdom and knowledge and realizing, you know, I have nothing to lose, like whatever. If somebody challenges me, I have the skills to engage them in an effective dialogue, not an argument, but, but a, a dialogue. Yeah. It's funny. It's like self-management. It's really, it's funny that like everything that we deal with, with emotions really is just a reflection of ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like a lot of what I see in like, let's say an agency customer gets upset, Mm -hmm. uh, agent starts talking to them. They already think where the conversation's going and they make it happen. Like it literally happens because they treat the situation with the future outcome. Mm-hmm. Of, and so like they literally create that situation to come about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it it is it's funny like when you're saying that it's like when we're young we just we're so reactive but as we get older we just we understand a little bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> some of us more than others definitely um, yeah not me <laughs> <laughs> that it's like yeah it's like we almost self-sabotage ourselves when it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's also having the emotional intelligence to know and to be able to read the room and to be to know your own emotional intelligence and say, OK, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm sabotaging myself. No. Yes. I need to stop that. So being aware of what goes through our minds. And another interesting little fun fact about communication is that um, our brains are like, you know, these computers and they can process information so quickly that, you know, you're, you, you have probably already moved on to your next thought and I'm still talking. It's because we process so quickly and we do that in conversations. We're already thinking ahead. Like, well, I'm right. going to say this. I'm, and it's like, but you didn't even hear what I was saying because you were thinking and that's yeah. normal, but that's when we have to be mindful and direct ourselves back to the conversation at hand. Yeah. So I just did that the other day with one of my team members is, I was like, it looks like you don't like what I said. You kind of went like this when I said that. Mm-hmm. I'm all, well, how do you feel? Like, is it that? Is that like where are you at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she 
told me and stuff, but like, it was, it's so much more helpful to mm-hmm. come at it from that plate. Like interpret that, like what I'm interpreting isn't the right thing. It's because I've known it for, for a long time. So right. I know that it's like what I'm thinking mm-hmm. that they're thinking is not right. So like there's right. a disconnect. Mm-hmm. So it's like, put the words where, where, where I need to be, you know? Yeah. I love that you checked in. So standard, here's my professor hat. Okay. Um, when I teach the communication model, you know, it's sender message channel receiver feedback noise. So you got your message out and you realized by her feedback that something was off and you checked in. And if you hadn't checked in and you just kept going, you never would have had that information. Truth. So paying attention to people's nonverbal communication. How did they receive that? Do I need to, to paraphrase? So meta communication, what or paraphrasing what, what I think I heard you say was this, or am I, are we on the same page? Mm. Kind of like you did. I think that's amazing. Good job. Well, and it's funny because I can do that with somebody that's uh, more sensitive, mm-hmm. but if I don't feel that they're more sensitive, yeah. then I don't do that. Like I will just, I, uh, it's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. And then like, for some reason I've been with my wife for 19 years, but like I'm the worst with my wife with that. Well, that's cause we, ugh, a whole nother. <laughs> Why is that though? Well, Why is it built upon all of the issues that have happened on the, and it just keeps stacking until all the stuff underneath has been well, addressed and, we call that gunny sacking or kitchen sinking in the academic world. Very technical terms there. It's true. Yeah. 